How do you define a successful life? If your answer can be summarized as earthly excellence and sacred significance, you're at the right place. Join host Stephanie Smith as she shares three keys unlocking a life of lasting purpose. Learn yourself, love God, and live connected. You'll become smarter about yourself, skilled in human dynamics, savvy about the Christian faith, and strengthened to pass this wisdom on to upcoming generations. And now let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Stephanie Presents. We are continuing our study in the Gospel of John, and we are picking up with the beginning of chapter 9. Right off the bat, there are principles here for, for us. So what happens is Jesus is with his disciples, and they pass a man who is blind, and he has been blind from birth. Now, how they knew that, I don't know, but he had been blind from birth. And the disciples ask a question, and they say, Rabbi, speaking to Jesus, which means teacher, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Whoop, bingo, right away, let's look at what we have here. We have an assumption. There was an assumption that if you had the, uh, if you had something that was terribly wrong with you, if you had some sort of disability, especially if it was a disability that existed from birth, Well, that had to have been the result of sin. It was either that this man had sinned, although how did he sin when he had been blind from birth? Was it like a sin that God knew he would commit at some future point in his life and was going to go ahead and punish him early for it? I don't know that they'd really thought that that logic through. Or was it a matter that his parents had sinned and the result of that was they were punished for that sin by having a child who was born blind. I wish I could say that that type of erroneous thinking is gone today, but unfortunately it's not. Because as human beings, we have a desire, we have a need for order. We have a need to understand cause and effect. And really what that comes down to is it comes down to control. We have a desire to control. Now, part of that desire is good. Nobody's going to thrive in chaos, but it goes beyond just having order. It goes to control, and the absence of control is is really rooted in fear. We don't know what's going to happen, and we don't like that. We like living with assurances. However, the issue is... (laughs) There's very little in this life that we actually control. Very powerful things that we can control about our beliefs, about our attitudes, about the choices that we make. But there's so much more in life that when we really look at it, we don't ultimately control. And so this a, a simple cause and effect way of thinking is an indication of low maturity. A mature person recognizes that life is not all black and white. It's not if then. It's not a simplistic cause and effect. There are numerous factors. um, Life is complicated. Things are complex. And a mature person embraces the complexity 
And you may be thinking, okay, this that's all well and fine, Stephanie, but I don't see how that really has much to do with my, my everyday life. Well, it has a lot to do with your everyday life because, you see, just like the disciples made this erroneous assumption that was based on this very simplistic cause and effect thinking, we can tend to have this very simplistic thinking in our lives as well. We want to have if-then kind of life. If we do this, then that is going to happen. If we do, if we raise our kids this way, they will turn out to be faithful Christians themselves. If we do these things in our marriages, we're going to have a phenomenal marriage. If we do these things with our health, we're going to be assured of a long, vibrant life. But the reality is that there are principles that we actually want to know and pay attention to. It's not that the world doesn't operate without principles, but it does not operate with these simplistic cause and effect, if-then kind of, of ways. And so Jesus corrects their erroneous thinking. He says it wasn't this man or his parents, not, neither of them sent. He wanted to correct their, their theological beliefs because really what they were making a statement um, about God, and they were saying, this is how God operates. He punishes sin by causing a child to be born blind, either to punish his parents or to punish this man for some future sin he has yet to commit, or perhaps he committed in his life, and God was just, you know, kind of punishing him early. So Jesus wants to correct their erroneous thinking because it had a very real impact in how they saw God as well as other people. He goes on to say that it, it had nothing to do with sin. It had everything to do with the work that God was wanting to accomplish. And then Jesus makes a statement, and he, he says, I am the light of this world. And then he does something which I want us to really look at and think about the ramifications of this. I, I want you to try to do your best to put yourself in this man's shoes, right? So we don't know exactly where, where he was located when Jesus and his disciples um, come, come near him. We don't know if he knew that this was Jesus and he had heard of his, his fame and that he'd healed other people. There's, there's so much in this story that is left out. But what we do know is that he had been blind from birth. And then Jesus stoops down and he spits. Yep, he just spits. You know, kind of like your mother or grandmother did or... You know, when, when you had a smudge on your cheek and you were getting ready to go into church, and, and so there's no, and especially in the days before there were, you know, little travel packages of wet wipes, and so what was the version of that? Well, it was two fingers and spit, and so your mother or grandmother, and maybe a father and a grandfather as well, would spit on their fingers, and then they would proceed to erase whatever it was that was on, on your face. So Jesus literally spits saliva into dirt. And then with that combination, he makes a mud paste. 
He doesn't send one of his disciples out for holy water. He doesn't he doesn't even bother to go get any water at all. He just makes a use of what is readily available right there. And what's readily available? Spit and dirt. Pretty earthy, raw, some might even say kind of nasty stuff. I mean, I'm sure if you took some of your spit and you put it under a microscope, you would see some moving organisms in there that might freak you out a little bit. So Jesus makes use. He, he, he doesn't waste any time. He doesn't apologize either for this concoction that he makes out of spit and dirt. He uses what is readily available, even though it's raw. There's nothing glamorous about this. And then he takes this mud spit paste and he wipes it on the man's eyes. Now, I want you to imagine this man for just a moment. Let's just assume for a moment that maybe he has heard about Jesus' healings of other people. He has heard how Jesus laid hands on someone. He has heard how Jesus spoke words and, and sent someone away and they were healed. He has heard about Jesus saying to someone, take up your mat and get up and walk. And so he's, maybe he's associated healing with speaking, with physical touch. And here he's got mud on, on his eye. Excuse me, wait a minute. This, where did this come from? This is not in the plan. And, and maybe he had never heard any of these stories. Maybe this is all new to him. As a blind man, and in, in this society, he would have been very looked down upon. He would never have been allowed to enter into certain parts of the temple because of this disability. We can gather just by the, the disciples' question here, who sent this man or his parents, that he would have been considered a, a mark of God's disfavor. Just to look at him would have been a, a reminder, hey, something associated with this man or his parents is sinful. And, and isn't about God's favor. Now, yes, that thinking was wrong, but it was still prevalent in that culture. And so this man had probably experienced throughout his entire life a lot of ridicule, very possibly physical harm, uh, things that were, that were done to him. And so maybe he was so used to that, that when he has some man that he can't see who wipes mud in his eyes, he, maybe he's just gotten to the point that he's just accepted this is the way life is. We don't really know what his response was internally. We don't, we're not told what his um, emotions were or what his thoughts were. You know, he could have had another response than the one he had. He could have gotten angry. He could have wiped that mud off of his eyes. He could have um, cursed. There's a lot of other responses that he could have had than the one he did. So what was his response? Well, Jesus says to him, he says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. 
Jesus gives him a very specific direct instruction. Go and wash this off in the pool of Siloam. And the man does. That's his response. He doesn't argue. He doesn't say, forget you. He doesn't say, okay, you're a nut, and what you've done here has just been to humiliate me, and there's no way that I'm going to go over there and wash this off in that pool because I'm just going to be humiliated even further, and I refuse that. Instead, what he does is he follows Jesus' instructions. One of the questions that we can ask ourselves out of this is, Would we be willing to be mudded by Jesus? Are we willing to endure something that is raw and earthy and not pleasant, that maybe doesn't even, quote, kind of smell good, in order to receive healing? See, it's not just that the man went and washed his eyes. Jesus could have told him to do that without putting any mud on his eyes. So what was the point of the mud? Maybe the mud was a test of the man's humility. Maybe it was a test of of his willingness to do whatever it took to receive his healing. Maybe it was a matter of Jesus saying, do you want your pride more or do you want healing more? How badly do you really want to be made well or to see? Now, Jesus doesn't say to the man, hey, if, if you let me put this mud on your eyes and then you're going to go wish, wash in the pool of Siloam, and then if you'll do that, hey, guess what's going to happen? You're going to receive your sight. Jesus doesn't tell him that. He just puts mud on his eyes, and then he says, go and wash in the pool. There's no promise attached to these actions. And that's something else that's important for us to realize. Sometimes Jesus and God will do things in our lives, and there's no upfront promise attached to them. It's not a matter of, if you do this, then guess what? I'm going to make sure that that relationship gets worked out. I'm going to make sure that you get that job. I'm going to make sure that the finances come through. I'm going to make sure that the healing comes through. Many times... God just does something to us, and he says something to us, and we just have this, the choice of whether we are going to allow that and accept that and then be obedient to his instructions or not. Well, this man does, and so he goes off to the pool, and he washes his eyes, and as a result of that, for the very first time in his entire life, he becomes a seeing individual. Can you imagine what that would have been like? I mean, did, did he begin to see when he washed off the, the, the mud and, and was the first thing that he saw his reflection in the water? Was it water drops in his hand? Was it little splotches of mud beginning to fall from his eyes? Was it the people who were also there around the pool? Was, did he like lift his face up and, and wash the, the water, wipe the water off of his eyes? And, and he opened him and the first thing he saw was blue sky and clouds or, or a sun. What did he see for the very first time? I have no idea. He's one of the people in heaven that I want to make sure I track down and I want to be able to sit down 
and hear his story in person. What did you see for the very first time? What was that like to be a grown adult and to have spent your entire life hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, feeling, but never being able to see? And so he sees for the very first time. And so he comes back to this location, and now he can see, and he comes back. Well, by the time he gets back, Jesus and the disciples are gone. Well, we're going to pause here, and we're, we're going to continue next week, but I want us to just really focus in on today. Number one, that we want to be very careful about the simplistic assumptions and beliefs that we make about how life works and about who God is and how he does things. We, we want to avoid these simplistic cause and effect, if-then kind of attitudes and perspectives in life, because most of the time, just like Jesus' disciples were wrong, we are wrong in our thinking when it's reduced to being that simplistic, whether it's with us or it's how we engage with other people. And secondly, it is to have the heart of humility that allows us to be mudded. Now, it's not likely that Jesus is personally going to show up. It's not that he can't because he can do whatever he wants. He's God. But we're not going to be wise to assume that for whatever we need healing with in our life and where we are blind, not just physically, but in other areas of life, we have to be willing to say, are we willing to get mudded? Are we willing to have somebody take something that's basically the equivalent of spit and dirt and put it on our perspective? Are we willing to have somebody challenge our perspective about something, our mindset about something, our outlook about something, and to mud it up in order to be able to see with clarity? Will we have the humility to allow our perspectives, our sight, the way that we see ourselves, the way we see someone else, the way that we see God? Are we willing to have that dirtied, muddied, in order to be able to be able to see clearly? So that's something that we really have to ask ourselves. And then secondly, when we have instructions, which are all throughout the Bible, as well as the leadings of the Holy Spirit in our life, are we willing to follow through when there's no promise attached to them about what the outcome is going to be? Are we willing to have obedience for obedience sake and not just for a particular outcome? Okay, so we're going to wrap up here for today, and then we're going to continue with this story next week. And this is one of my favorite stories in all the scripture. There's comedy in here. There's some things that I find really hilarious um, and poignant and deeply meaningful and practical and applicable to us in our life and in our relationships. Remember this, my friend. You do have an impact that truly is immeasurable eternal, and irreplaceable. And because of that, I want you to think deeply, to live intentionally, and to engage fully in God's grand story. 
See you next time. Thank you for listening. For information on speaking engagements and other resources, visit the website at stephaniepresents.com. Remember, learn yourself, love God, and live connected.